Chapter 2, The Conditions, July 1417, Northumberland. Deep in the woods, in the moonlit shadows, an owl hooted a warning and retreated into its nest. A doe raised its head and sniffed. A red squirrel paused in its foraging and pricked up its ears. Faint whispers began to creep between the trees. Something was coming. The squirrel shot up into its dray and curled its tail around its young. The doe bolted, crashing through the undergrowth. Even spiders scuttled for cover and huddled under leaves. Soon the woods were silent, but for the sorrowful whispers that filled the air. The wraith floated into the clearing, a shadow as dark as a hole torn in the night. It paused and hovered, trailing wisps of darkness. It had no eyes with which to see, but it scented the air searching. It did not know its destination. It was as if it didn't even exist. But if it was to return to the cool embrace of the earth, it must find what its master was looking for. A nearby village drew its attention from its search. Life, whispered its many voices longingly. It drifted silently from the clearing. As it departed the entire wood, breathed a sigh of relief. The wraith headed towards the peaceful town. Plants wilted at its touch as it floated through a herb garden towards a small cottage on the outskirts of the village. Voices and laughter came from within a family. The wraith remembered family. It stopped at the threshold and raised arms of shifting shadows, feeling vibrations in the air. There had been magic here, but simple folk magic, not the ancient power that it sought. It turned to leave, but the warmth and joy within the cottage pulled it back. Life, its voices whispered again. Unable to resist its hunger, the wraith floated through the cottage door. When it finally left, it raised a long black finger and traced a shape on the outside of the front door, a soul that each of the souls trapped within the wraith recognized. A little less afraid, the wraith glided away, retreating into the night. In the cottage with the black cross upon the door, the laughter had stopped. The next morning saw Alfie's dad sitting nervously in one of the armchairs by the fire in the castle library, a letter clutched in his hand. So what do we do now? He asked Alfie. The letter had been delivered by a raven from Munnan and Bone solicitors the previous afternoon. The bird had nearly caused an explosion as it flew in through the workshop window and dropped the letter into the workings of a rather unstable miniature generator that Alfie's dad was currently working on. The letter read, Munnan and Bone Solicitors, established 
1086. Dear Mr. William Horatio Bloom, our client Warren Hopcraft has requested to meet with you at 10 a.m. on Tuesday, 25th July, 1417, to discuss the commencement of Master Alfie Bloom's training. The meeting will take place in the Castle Library. Your journey to the 15th century will be facilitated by your son. Regards, Caspian Bone, partner. Alfie had suggested the library as the venue for the meeting and was glad that Oren had agreed. He wanted to keep the Druid study a secret shared only with the twins and Amy and was a little worried that his dad might claim the study for himself if he ever saw the shelves full of amazing handwritten tomes and weird and wonderful objects. A loud chirp alerted him to another of the castle's weird and wonderful objects as it watched them from its perch on the head of one of the fates above the fireplace, Leonardo da Vinci's Silver Sparrow. They had found it in what Alfie had named the treasure room in the Eastern Tower. Ever since the Elf Queen had passed some of her magic into it, it almost seemed as if it was truly alive. Alfie was quite glad that it had taken a liking to his dad, as he found it rather annoying himself. He had named it Sparky, because it seemed to have a spark of real life since its encounter with the Elf Queen. Are you ready to go, Dad? asked Alfie. Yes, but I still don't understand. How can we possibly travel to 1417 to meet Orrin Hopcraft? Alfie took a deep breath and sat on the little table next to his dad's chair. Okay, Dad, remember the night I was born? You told me that you somehow slipped back in time 600 years to when Orrin lived here. How could I forget, said his dad. It seemed like a crazy dream your mother and I had shared until the day that strange solicitor, Caspian Bone, told us that Orin had left you the castle. Well, when Orin told us we were getting the castle before my 13th birthday, he mentioned that it was because he had seen me time slip. Alfie's dad's mouth dropped open. You time slipped? How is that even possible? Before Alfie could even answer, his dad slapped his own forehead with his palm and continued. Well, of course it is possible. You were born 600 years in the past, so you belong there as much as here. Well, that makes absolute sense if you were part of both time periods. Tell me, does time keep ticking here when you visit the past? I imagine it must be as though you were living in a single lifetime across two time periods. Alfie listened to his dad conducting a conversation with himself and could hardly believe how quickly he seemed to have got his head around the idea of his son being a time traveler. He was already way past amazement and into theorizing on the nature of time travel. Uh, so how many times have you traveled into the past? Have you already met Orin? Uh, we'd better get a move on, Dad, said Alfie quickly. We don't want to be late. He didn't really want to let his dad know that the first couple of times he had time-slipped had been near-death experiences, or that he had already started sneaking off to the past to train with the druid. Okay, well then, uh, hmm, how does this work? As long as you are holding on to me when I time-slip, you'll travel with me. Probably best if you close your eyes. 
The one time Alfie had tried slipping through time with his eyes open had left him disoriented for days. Closing his own eyes, he hooked his arm through his dad's and held on tight. He soon felt the familiar tugging sensation in his chest and let it drag him back in time, back to the time period that was his second home. We're here, Dad, he said, unhooking his arm after several dizzying seconds. They were still in the castle library, which looked very much the same as it did in the present day, with one exception. Oren Hopcraft was sitting opposite them, a wide grin on his face. Mr. Bloom, he said, reaching out and shaking Alfie's dad's hand vigorously. So good to see you again, sir. Alfie's dad's jaw worked up and down uselessly until he finally managed to stammer. Uh, Likewise, he looked around the library. Uh, so we are, um, uh, we're really in the past? Well, it's very much the present for me, said Orrin. But yes, it is a pleasure to welcome you back nearly 13 years after your last visit. He led Alfie and his dad to the window through which they could see a very different Hexbridge with fewer houses and many more trees. Alfie, said the druid gently, Your father and I have much to catch up on and discuss. Would you mind if we talk alone? I'm sure he'd also like a tour of the castle before he leaves. Alfie glanced at his dad, who looked as though he was trying to resist the urge to run straight down to the village to explore medieval, medieval rural England. Okay, said Alfie a little reluctantly, as he wondered whether there was something the druid didn't want him to hear. But don't show him any machinery, or he'll be here all day taking it apart and putting it back together again. That's enough from you, young man, said his dad, giving him a nudge. Okay, now you pop off. I'm sure Amy and the twins are already getting impatient. Alfie found the twins and Amy waiting in his bedroom when he slipped back into his own time. So? What did Uncle Will say? Asked Madeline. Give him a chance. He's the only just got there just now, said Alfie, flopping down with the others on his gigantic bed. He'll be back sometime after lunch. Ah, exploded Madeline, throwing herself back onto the pillows. You could have at least taken us with you. Be patient, Maddie said Robin. If Uncle Will says yes, then we'll get to spend lots of time there. (sighs) That's all right for you to say, huffed Madeline. You've already been to the past with Alfie, and you met Orin. Alfie's mind flashed back to the time he had hit his head in the caves under the Hexbridge Hills and had accidentally dragged Robin back in time with him as he fell in conscience. They had met Orrin's friend, Bryn, the woodsman, who had bandaged Alfie's wounds and helped them get home. Well, that's not fair, Maddie. It wasn't exactly fun, Robin. It wasn't. Really? Then how come he didn't stop talking about it for months? Enough, you two, said Amy, clapping her hands over her ears. You're all giving me a headache. Come on, let's see what Ash is up to. Ashford was weeding the herb garden and putting in some new plants. 
he was fully recovered from his injuries after being shot with an arrow and kidnapped by elves only a couple of months before. Alfie felt a little odd about having his own descendant working for him, but Ashford seemed perfectly happy with the arrangement, especially as it meant avoiding alternate punishment for his previous life as the greatest thief the world had ever seen. They joined him in weeding, turning the soil, digging up vegetables, and pruning overgrown plants. Have you spoken to Emily recently, Ashford? asked Alfie as he pulled up a bunch of carrots and brushed off the soil. Yeah, grinned Amy slyly. Has she picked a wedding dress yet? Emily is quite well, thank you, said Ashford. But she's helping her mother stabilize the elven realm, so the wedding may have to wait quite a while. Madeline snorted so suddenly that everyone turned to stare at her. I just thought, she giggled, Emily's mom, the elf queen that nearly wrecked Alfie's castle, she's going to be your mother-in-law. Ashford sighed and got back to digging. Don't think I haven't thought about that. Alfie's dad didn't return from the past until around three o'clock, at which point everyone was in the kitchen helping Ashford chop vegetables, hang, hang herbs, and make chutneys out of multicolored tomatoes picked from the new greenhouse. He materialized in the kitchen with a pop that made Alfie squeeze the tomato he was skinning so hard that it exploded, showering everyone with juice and seeds. Excellent! You're all here! Alfie thought his dad seemed almost as surprised to see them as they were at his sudden appearance. What an experience! Time travel! I mean, what inventor hasn't thought of creating a time machine but to really experience? Well, wow! I think I could use a nice strong cup of tea. Ashford fixed a tray of tea and biscuits, which they shared in the Abernathy room as Alfie's dad shared details of his trip to medieval Hexbridge. And from the eastern tower, I could see a watermill down on the river before it meets Archelon Lake. And all that's there today is the outline in the grass. How amazing to be able to see what had been there with my own eyes. And then there's the village itself. Did you know? Dad, said Alfie, trying not to shout despite his impatience. That's all very interesting. But what did Orin say? Did he ask you about us visiting him for a couple of weeks? Yes, he did. Well? It would be the longest you've ever been away from home, Alfie. I know, I know, but I'd still be at home, just in a different time, and we can come back if we do get homesick. Which we won't, added Amy. So, so, can we, can we, can we go, Dad, can we, huh? Asked Alfie. I know you were born there, but the time period will still be very strange to you. There may, there may be lots of dangers I haven't even thought about, he scratched his head. But Orrin Hopcraft is so intelligent. I'm sure he's thought of everything. Dad! Alfie pounded the frayed arm of the sofa so hard that he ended up choking on a cloud of dust. Yes or no, he coughed. Yes, I suppose. Alfie, the twins, and Amy leapt up onto the sofa for a group hug, bouncing up and down as the springs begged for mercy. On one condition. Alfie's head whipped round as he wondered what sort of terrible rule his dad was going to impose. I need to file some important patents over the next few weeks, and I don't want you all going alone. Alfie groaned. 
Was his dad going to make him wait weeks? If they didn't go soon, they wouldn't be able to go at all once school started in September. So I propose that Ashford goes with you. Alfie looked to the butler, who nearly dropped the teapot he was holding. Ashford, you came to us from mud and bone, so I imagine you know more about Alfie's ability to time slip than I did, and, and you kept him safe when the castle was invaded by those elves. Alfie noticed Ashford cast him a guilty glance. His dad didn't know that it was actually Alfie, the twins, and Amy, who kept the wounded Ashford safe during the siege. Well, if they want me to come... Of course we do, said Alfie. I've never been so far back in time. This will be my first meeting with Orin, chronologically anyway. So you've met him before? asked Alfie, wondering just how many secrets the butler still had to share. Ashford winked and instead answered, I'd be delighted to travel with you. Alfie threw his arms around his dad's shoulders and gave him a big squeeze before leaping down from the sofa to high-five the butler. Right then, grinned Amy. When do we leave? Two days later, Alfie lay in bed wide awake with excitement as the birds outside chirped and twittered through their dawn chorus. He had hardly slept a wink. He couldn't stop thinking about the trip he would be making to the past in just a few hours. His bag was already sitting on his desk ready to go. He had packed light as Orrin was going to supply them with appropriate clothing, although Robin had instructed everyone to bring plenty of underwear, saying, I'm not sure what pants were made out of in the medieval times, but I'll bet it wasn't comfortable. Alfie groaned as he realized he'd forgotten to pack shampoo. He jumped out of bed and instantly regretted it as the rug flew out from under his feet, sending him crashing to the floor. What's happening? Is it morning yet? Are we going now? Boomed a deep voice. I barely had gotten to sleep. Artan, shh, groaned Alfie getting up and rubbing his bruised bottom. It's only five o'clock. He had forgotten that the bearskin rug had spent the night sleeping next to his bed, ready to leave for Orrin's time with them. At least the shock had reminded Alfie of what he had forgotten to pack. He limped to the panel by his wardrobe and pushed the knot in the wood that opened the secret door to his own bedroom. Grabbing the shampoo... He zipped it inside one of the pockets on his bag, then climbed back into his four-poster bed as Artan settled again on the floor. The second Alfie closed his eyes, there was a sharp tapping at the window. He sighed and threw back the covers, giving up on ever getting back to sleep as he stomped over to the window. Flinging open the curtains, he blinked against the light morning sky. A large raven was sitting on the window ledge, wings neatly folded to its sides as it wrapped the glass impatiently with his beak. It wasn't the first time Alfie had been woken by one of Caspian Bone's messengers. He opened the window and held out his hand. Okay, give me the note and tell Caspian to stop sending messages in the middle of the night. The raven ignored his hand and hopped in through the open windows, beak held high. 
There was a rustling of feathers, and Alfie leapt back off the window seat as the bird began to change shape. Artan floated beside Alfie, growling as the raven stretched and shimmered before them, wings folding neatly into arms, talons turning to shiny black shoes. Its beak shrunk back into a paling face until finally a tall man was sitting on the window seat, brushing the lapels of his immaculate Victorian-style suit. Good morning, said Caspian Bone. Alfie blushed bright red as he realized he had been complaining to the solicitor himself. I apologize if I have disturbed you. That's fine, mumbled Alfie. I was already awake. Artan, said Caspian, nodding curtly to the floating bearskin rug. Caspian, replied the bear, bobbing slightly. The solicitor glanced around the room, taking in the packed bag on the dresser. I see you are prepared for your trip. Yes, said Alfie, suddenly worried. It's still going to happen, isn't it? Orton hasn't sent a message to say we can't go. You will still be traveling back in time, said Caspian. However, I have been made aware that you intend to take the bear and the butler with you. Alfie didn't even bother asking how he knew. The ravens stationed on the walls took word of anything that happened at Hexbridge Castle straight to Munnin and Bone. We have given Ashford our permission to travel with you. However, our tan must remain here. What? Exploded our tan, swooping around the room, leaving papers and comics spiraling in his wake. How dare you fly in here and tell Alfie what I can and can't do as if I wasn't even here. Calm yourself, snapped Caspian. Alfie, may we discuss this in private? Alfie caught the bear's paw as it whizzed past and dragged him to a stop. If it involves Artan, then he should be here to hear it, said Alfie, stroking the bear's fur to calm him down. He was Orrin's friend, so why can't he come back with me to visit him? That is exactly the problem. In 1417, Orrin is not Artan's friend. The bear does not exist in its current form in that time. So what does that matter? Asked Alfie. I can introduce them. Caspian sighed, but before he could explain, Artan gently placed his paw on Alfie's shoulder. Much as I hate to admit it, he rumbled, the bird is right. Orin created me when my life as a bear was taken early. I don't remember much about that, but if I meet Orin before I am supposed to, well, well, it might change things. But Ashford can't travel back in time that far himself, so he'll be meeting Orin before he's supposed to. Why can't you? Artan shook his shaggy head. If the bird says I shouldn't go, then it is probably for good reason. Alfie took some comfort in seeing Caspian bristle at being referred to as a bird 
for the second time. Then it is agreed, said Caspian, climbing onto the window ledge and looking back at Alfie. Our tan remains here. With that, he leapt from the ledge. A second later, a large black raven soared up and off into the dawn.